Local Matters brings you incredible stories about Indiana original businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. I'm Mel McMahon, and today we'll get the story of how Russ Dodge started Tribute Milestones, Digital Hearts to Hearts, one-of-a-kind pieces celebrating major life milestones. We'll talk about the challenges and the successes along the way and why supporting local businesses really matters. You're listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Originals, leading local living. Russ, it's so nice to see you. Welcome to the All Indiana Podcast Network studios. Mel, thank you very much. And it is so great to see you, too. We've been communicating on Zooms and via phone and email messages and all that to sit across a studio from you, uh, way overdue, right? <laughs> it's so nice for a change. And it's great to see everyone's smiling faces. Absolutely. So it's been wonderful. And it's been, you know, a, definitely a, a roller coaster of a year and kind of what you do, um, the impact of what you do, I think has been highlighted a lot for those that aren't familiar with tribute milestones, digital hearts to hearts. Tell us what exactly is it? Well, tribute milestones started out as original content verse. It's composed for people that are chosen to commemorate their special occasions. And the goal is to create a custom celebration for the most important events in people's lives, births, deaths, graduations, weddings, memorials, retirements, athletic achievements, professional and social awards. The list goes on and on and on. And so that was the original idea. Then when the pandemic came along, things changed a little bit and we figured we needed to do something and we did it on Facebook and called it Digital Hearts to Hearts, honoring everybody from healthcare heroes some honorees that uh, had passed away from COVID, people that were fighting the battle, uh, other people that we felt were pertinent uh, out of our past that were good quality people. You know, a good example, we did one for the late Reverend Charles Williams, head of Indiana Black Expo, that uh, my partner Richard Tregesser and I both knew very, very well, and we thought that would be a very good tribute uh, to do somewhere in the middle of all that. And then we also had some sad ones, uh, Chris Beatty, who was mm -hmm. here from Indianapolis. And while I didn't personally know him, he, he went to high school and college with my oldest daughter and all kinds of people that I knew knew him quite well. And when, when he was killed, you know, we did a tribute for him. And it was the one that had the widest reach of anything we had done of maybe a hundred different things we put up on the Digital Hearts to Heart Facebook page. Well, I think, too, kind of the easiest way to describe what you do is, you know, because you did a tribute for my mom when she passed away. Correct. And, and that was quite something because we had the, the information. And, you know, Richard Tregesser is the writer in this case. And he can take little nuggets of information and put together something that when you read it, you say, my gosh, I swear he knew her or he knew him. And right. it wasn't necessarily true. I mean, they're just beautiful like, you know, it's poetry in a way. It is. You know, yeah, a lot of it rhymes, but not always. Beautiful. Um, just ways of describing that person, whether they're, you know, here or not, or maybe that pet that you lost. I mean, I read the tribute in a video I did when we did the Mother's Day gift guide. And so many people wrote me that they were like, I don't know how you got through that without crying because I'm crying. And some of these were people that didn't even know my mom. 
Because the idea here is we would want to create a custom celebration for those important events, as I said at the outset here, births, birthdays, graduations, weddings, memorials, uh, retirement, athletic achievements, professional and social awards, uh, pets, and the pets is the, the new hot one that we're dealing with. But I, I really like the idea, and we've not done as many of these, but I have a couple wedding planners that seem to want to work with me to do something for people's weddings. And we've come up with a couple of really nice ones that we have done, and people really love seeing that. And guess what? That ends up on somebody's wall, too. Not just the married couple, but like the parents and a few other things like that, because it's more than just the wedding photo. Can I share this one? Yep. This is for Elena and Ben. Is love at first sight blinded by the light? Those under that spell know that glow. For Elena and Ben, it was an immediate meteor show. Meeting at work, all day texting, epic phone calls, timing how quickly a couple in love falls. Born on the same day, three hours apart, love fired like a dart for Elena and Ben. We're not out on a lark. To Milwaukee's Seven Bridges Park for a first date, and two years later, a proposal fueled by Elena and Ben's obvious spark, strong enough, we attest, to power the entire Midwest. September 2nd, 2018. Raise your champagne glass and sip as we toast Elena and Ben embarking on their lifetime trip. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's absolutely beautiful. And that was written by Richard Tregesser. Richard does not know either of them. No, I and, and I do, but only to a degree. Uh, Lena is uh, the daughter of uh, my wife's cousin. So watched her grow up a little bit, but in different cities. It's, yeah. You know, it's a once in a while, very much once in a while type of situation. So it, it took a little bit of proper information. We got mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you, you'd read that and say, hey. This looks like it was written by one of their friends. It does, and it's beautiful. It's framed. It has two pictures of them. It's something everybody would want on their wall. And what we do is we get the information that's researched with a questionnaire and usually a personal phone call, and everything is solely about the individual and for those individuals. There's no cookie cutter there. You know, we're basically in the business of uplifting the honoree and all those who enjoy those honorariums. And we also have now extended that to include pets. You know, they were just so touching. What made you and Richard want to start doing this? Well, what happened at the beginning, we lost a couple of friends each, and we said this would be kind of nice to do a tribute. So uh, I'm involved with a local Notre Dame alumni group, and some of the senior alums passed away, and we said, well, I'd like to honor some of these guys, uh, you know, that are really people that made a difference in what was going on, not just pertinent to Notre Dame, but in the Indianapolis community and in life in general. And these are people we wanted to honor in some way, shape, or form and pass along a permanent memento to the family that some cases they didn't even necessarily know exactly what we were doing. We did it. Hey, I showed up at the funeral home and said, hey, I have something here for you. And they're like, Jaws dropping, and I got all kinds of feedback from di- different people uh, when they get these, and nice little thank yous. Some people in, in my life, uh, I worked for artistic media for a number of years, and that was the late Art Angotti. So I knew Art very, very well. Mm-hmm. And so when Art passed away, it was very easy to put together something in verse that Richard wrote, and it highlighted some of his love for baseball as well as being a 
career broadcast owner and a few other things like that. And you know, I just got the nicest notes from the various family members that, that knew me. But more importantly, they said, this is just an amazing keeper. Now, Russ, I imagine when you were a little boy, you did not think, I'm going to write tributes for people one day. No. What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, you struggle with it a little bit when you're when you're very young. And, you know, like a lot of kids, you want to be some kind of an athlete. Uh, I quickly found out that my baseball skills were very modest. Uh, <laughs> I was a good enough runner that I was able to get varsity letters in cross country and track, but that's about as far as it went. You know, played a little bit of soccer, but got hurt to the point where, hey, I got my shoulder cut up after I finished high school to Ooh. put it back together again. So that was those are the kind of things I said, no, I, I'm not going to be in the athletic world in any way, shape, or form. However, growing up, I was a radio junkie. Mm-hmm. I'm in New Jersey, and what do you listen to in New Jersey? New York City radio, the, the biggest and the best of radio back in the 60s and top 40 radio. WABC, WMCA, WINS, and I was one of those guys that didn't just limit it to the rock and roll radio. I would listen to good talk radio. WOR was a great talk station. It featured a nightly show from Gene Shepard. And for those that don't quite recognize Gene Shepard, he's the guy that did the Christmas story. And that's a compilation of all these stories that he told on the air over the years. Had a chance to meet Shep a few times, even interviewed him when I was at Notre Dame, and we made a special radio program out of it. It was it was super, super cool. But and I knew growing up there that I had this interest in radio. Then one day, a couple of months before I start my freshman year at Notre Dame, this letter shows up inviting me to check out the campus radio station at Activities Day when I get to Notre Dame. Did you have the same amazing radio voice then that no, you do abs- now? No, <laughs> absolutely not. And I will explain why Why I know that, too. But uh, I showed up, and I quickly find out they're going to have auditions. They have auditions, but, you know, I'm realizing there are guys that have done high school radio. There was even a guy already on the air that had been a guest disc jockey, guest teen disc jockey on WLS, uh, a guy named Mark Carmichael, who uh, is a Muncie native, if I'm not mistaken, and... I was actually a state legislator for a while, but this guy was amazing. You know, these were guys, okay, that's what the bulk of WSND's staff was at that point in time. However, they did have this FM radio station. It was a little 10-watt station. And that was new at the time, right? It had been on for about 10 years, but it was 10 watts. It it covered maybe two miles, but it got a grant to increase to 3,400 watts, which started at the beginning of my sophomore year. So there I was with an opportunity to be part of that FM station. So I did that. It was fine arts. It was classical, Broadway show tunes, rock and roll late at night. So I had a background in a lot of that other stuff, thanks to my, thanks to my mom. I even knew opera. Mm, so I, wow. could, I could announce that stuff and, and get by with it. I, I still remember at the audition, uh, the FM chief announcer asked me a question pertinent to classical music, and I knew the answer. And he said to me later, you're one of the few that, could come in and answer that question. I said, well, yeah, because that's my, some of my background. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the FM station got the boost, and in the fall of 71, it started with that greater broadcast day. It was no longer a 10-hour-a-day radio station. We had to keep it on all year and keep it on later at night. So I started doing late-night rock and roll on the station. And somewhere a couple of years ago, I was digging through boxes of old tapes. I'm looking for that Gene Shepard program because I heard Notre Dame was interested in it. I still 
can't find it because most of those tapes are unlabeled, but I took a bunch of my tapes to a friend who had a big reel-to-reel. -reel. He said, it's not on there. However, I did find this one of you on WSND, and come listen to it. And that's how I know I didn't have a good voice. Oh. I listened to this thing. It was awful. <laughs> There's no other way. But then, the magic of today's technology, he cleaned this thing up for me. Wow. It was neat. We identified it as October of 1971. So it was the first month I was on the air. It was 4 o'clock in the morning because I had a time check in there. Uh -huh. It was hysterical. I mean, just I have actually used the little clip of me back-selling a bunch of songs a couple of times on my uh, broadcasts on WITT. Just just for a good laugh to compare then and now. Yeah. Now, how long did you stay on the air? Because you went into management. Yes. Yeah. What, what happened there was I did that through my days at Notre Dame, but my junior year at Notre Dame, I got hired as a part-time announcer for WJVA, WRBR. It was booth broadcasting in South Bend. RBR was a top 40. JVA was a country station. So I was the guy that Started out with some of the late night shifts, and as a couple of the other part time guys didn't work out, I was doing Sunday afternoon and other shifts, and I was around for the summer that summer. So I was the fill in guy, and there were some weeks I was doing forty hours on the air. It was it was an awful lot of fun, you know, going into my senior year. So by the time senior year rolled around, there were now three of us from Notre Dame that were the weekend crew for WRBR. So we had everybody on campus listening to us, which was quite something. You know, I had a lot of fun with it, but, you know, it was one of those things where, hey, my degree was marketing and the business school. I knew that what I was really most interested in is I want to run the show. So somewhere before the end of my senior year, the general manager and the sales manager said, look, we really need a good sales rep, and you, you fit the bill perfectly. Would you like to do it? They started talking the money, and it was reasonable amount more than what I would make as a disc jockey, mm -hmm. and I would have been doing the overnight shift too, and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this and give it a shot, and I became the top sales rep, did a few years there, came to Indianapolis at WTLC, where I was sales and then sales management. Uh, they did actually let me on the air a few times. Uh, oh, the did first, they? first year I was there, if you know the days of the gong show, the Fun guy on there, there were two characters, Gene Gene the Dancing Machine and the Unknown Comic. And the Unknown Comic, my program director was just absolutely enthralled with the Unknown Comic. So I would come in every Friday and play the Unknown Comic, and he'd play Chuck Barris. And he said, hey, why don't we just, I need some fill-in for a few weekends. We're short some part-timers. So I went on as the Unknown Disc Jockey ah. for about six or eight weeks. I, I still have some cassettes of that. It was, it was funny because... It was scripted out as to what I was going to do, so I wasn't going to be doing gong show jokes every two minutes. But once an hour, I'd throw something in there, and it was it was an awful lot of fun. And I I felt like I I really hit something when maybe a month or two after I had done that, one of the big LA radio stations debuted their new nighttime jock, and it was a guy they gave the air name of the unknown disc jockey to. And really, went, how cool is that? Ahead of my time. There but I, I, I enjoyed my 17 years at WTLC and sales management, and then I was in a few other places, uh, WXTZ, Network Indiana with Wabash Valley Broadcasting and with Emmis. A quick detour for one of my old bosses out to Des Moines, Iowa, which you know lasted a little over a year. And then I came back with uh, Art Angotti and was the regional national sales manager for 14 radio stations at the peak and left that to become a general manager. So I was the GM for... 
ESPN 950 WXLW. It was the first full-time ESPN station here before the fan existed uh, mm-hmm. for Emmis, and then subsequently went on and managed Hispanic radio for about four years. Mi Español es peor que diez años pasado porque no hablo español todos los días. But I was reasonably fluent. I was reasonably fluent because I had five years in school. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't used it in 30 years, yeah. so you, you, yeah. you brush up a, a little bit. So anyway, I, I ended up, uh, after all of that, with a couple of other little radio things along the way. We started working on, on the tributes as I became more interested in putting my own marketing company together. Well, and I want to ask you, you know, with all of this, you know, management experience and sales experience, you've done a lot of, you know, concert promotion as well. What motivates you to carry on these tributes? Well, one, we see the response we get. People love these beyond belief. You know, we're hitting an area that people don't expect. You know, I'll, I'll use memorial tributes as an example. Somebody passes away. You go to the funeral home, and they've slapped together a slideshow with some music under it and maybe a video if it's taken it a step further. But when it's over, they, they give the person the CD. It probably goes in the drawer somewhere, and we said, what if we had something that could be more lasting and something that people would be able to look at every day? So what we started to do with the tributes, and I'll reach back here. He's grabbing pull, some pull pictures. A of, yeah. Pull a couple of them up. I'll get to the pets a little later. But what we did was we would come up with framed versions of what we were doing here and present them to the to the families. And it worked out very nicely that, you know, those are on people's walls, not just in, in uh, Indianapolis, but, you know, all over, the, all over the country. Coming up, the challenges and successes Russ has had along the way and what he wants you to know about starting your own business. This is Local Matters. Hi, I'm Lance. And I'm Mel. In the spring of 2012, we were walking around downtown Indianapolis. We were looking for someplace local for dinner. We threw out a restaurant name and Mel asked, Is it local? That simple question became a much bigger conversation and our company, Indiana Originals, was born. Every Indiana Originals member is certified local. That means the business is an Indiana-owned and operated company, headquartered here, and not part of an out-of-state chain. When you discover and support a business on our website or on our app, you are keeping more money in Indiana, helping our communities be unique, and creating jobs. If you spent 5% more on goods and services from Indiana, we would have $1.8 billion more for our schools and infrastructure. So when you break it down, that's just $35 per household per week. When you see the Indiana Originals badge, you know you are supporting local Indiana businesses. Download our app powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains and get your business certified local at indianaoriginals.com. Indiana Originals, leading local living. Hello, listeners of Local Matters. This is McFarling Foods, and you know, 2020 was quite a year. McFarling Foods was there through it all because McFarling Foods is serious about partnership. We are in this together. That's what it's all about. We care about what's best for your business. How can we help? And McFarling Foods is a partner to local, independent restaurants. Because, hey, anyone can sell you food. Wouldn't you rather have a partner? A partner who's invested in this same community. McFarling Foods. We're local. This is our home, too. It's where we live, where we work, and where we raise our families. See, nothing's more important to us than our community and our neighbors right here in central Indiana. Oh, and we are. 
very proud to be an Indiana original. For more about McFarling, go to McFarling.com. That's McFarling.com. We've been chatting with Russ Dodge, who, along with Richard Trageser, started Tribute Milestones and Digital Hearts to Hearts in 2017. Russ, what's been the hardest part about being a business owner? Well, one of them is specifically working with some of the suppliers and some of the people that assist us along the way. You know, they're not necessarily on the same time frame as we might be. With the tributes, sometimes, particularly the memorial ones, are very quick turnaround. And we've got to have someone that could put the illustrations together based on the photos. I have limited capability of doing that kind of stuff, so I've done some very simple things. But if you want it to look really, really good, you get a professional and you pay them to do that. So we, we that, do that. And we've we found sometimes that it's not just that, but in other areas of business where I've got a, a third party involved, you know, there's a different time frame or a different set of circumstances or you're working around issues with somebody's health, uh, which has definitely been the case uh, during COVID. I did something I was working on and the guy I was working with, half his family came down with COVID. And there's no way I could do anything at that mm-hmm. point, nor would I want to. You know, I want to, you know, hey, your first order of business is to get healthy again. I had a brother who had COVID and was fairly sick and had to pause his business for a while just because he needed to. And there were people that he had lined up. He does estate sales. And part of it was the state of New Jersey said, you can't do anything like this for a while. But once he could, he was going to be very, very limited in what he would do until things got a little bit better in the state of New Jersey, which fortunately they now are. So I know that is one of the challenges when you're dealing with a business. And the other thing is just juggling it all because in addition to the tribute milestones and the digital hearts to hearts, I also do event-related marketing. And what was tough was during the pandemic, most of the event stuff went away. Yeah, I did a lot of concert work and my concert work now will be fairly minimal because the primary person I work with uh, health issues put him to the sidelines permanently. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of smaller things I'll do. But at the same time, I know from working with the clients and I'm trying to work around their schedules and what it is they need to do. And sometimes it's not necessarily the same as what they've originally told me or something comes along that they have to work around because it was something thrown at them by maybe the artist that uh, we were booking for a concert somewhere, and I've, I've seen an awful lot of it from behind the scenes. So I, I got a pretty good idea of that. And, and with local events, too, same, same type of thing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. I, I do Whamfest every year for the Sotomo Greenwood, and, and we had to take a year off last year. And, you know, it's wine, art, music, and microbrew. It's a pretty cool event, raises an awful lot of money for charities, organizations, and events in Greenwood and southern Indianapolis. And you know, the last one we did in 2019, you get a major curveball thrown out. You're right in the middle of the event, tornado warnings. Right. It's to shut the event down. Yeah. And it's a really big deal. I mean, I think I know tons of people who go to Wayne Oh, yeah. It's a huge People thing. look forward to it every year. Oh, I know. People were very disappointed when we were not able to do it last year, but there was no way. So it's going to be back bigger and better than ever this year. It'll be an awful lot of fun. But I'm used to rolling with the flow mm-hmm. and I get there I know hey typically I'll have sponsoring radio stations there and sometimes 
they're not necessarily doing what they've been told to do because it goes to the account rep at the station and they get tied in with the promotion director and then they have their street team out there and sometimes between me and the street team there's not a direct line mm-hmm. there you know fortunately most of them you know can think on their feet and that that's a good thing you know but you you got to sit there and direct the the situation and you know i was lucky when we had the tornado uh we we had our our on-site person that particular day from wjjk was laura Steele. oh and laura's a pro she knew exactly what to do handled it well and did way beyond what anybody would have expected her to do Mm -hmm. you know other than i knew she could and a few other people that knew her knew yeah she definitely knew her way around the block there and as been there done that and could write a book about it yep for sure so that you know you get those kind of things when you're when you're dealing with this it's the ability to think on your feet too and if you don't have that ability to go with the flow when you need to and part of the trick is knowing when to need to you can be going down a dead end russ what's the most rewarding part about owning a business well i work for me that that's the rewarding part i worked for a lot of radio stations in my lifetime. I am not a big corporate person, never have been. I, I could not have ever worked in radio for the mega corporate radio giants that exist. The largest company I ever worked for was Amos. And that doesn't count because I could walk up to the sixth floor and go say hi to Jeff Simoleon, who I knew long before I ever worked mm-hmm. for the company. You know, it was a, an easy thing. And even in the cases of working for a station or stations, owned by a corporation, they weren't large, large stations, mm-hmm. you know, they, they large groups, you know, maybe a dozen stations. Which is nothing uh, you in know, radio And Gotti had 14 stations, and I had responsibilities for all of them with regional and national sales. So I knew my way around the block and, and, and knew how to do it. But I also knew that, no, I, the, the big corporate stuff, and, you know, somebody that I'm working with right now uh, who will remain nameless and his company will remain nameless, Somehow their company deleted all his email addresses, or most of them. So he didn't have one. He says, I've only been working with you for 15 years. I don't know how this happened. Uh, and he said, we seem to have those kind of problems. And I, and I made my editorial comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all I needed to do. And he, he thoroughly agreed. But, you know, here's a guy. I, I've made it very clear. I love the people I work with at those companies because mm-hmm. they're usually very, very good. And in a lot of cases, they have to be exceptionally good to have to deal with some of the bureaucracy that goes along with it. And I don't have to worry about that so much. What would you tell others that want to start their own business? What do you want them to know? Well, what I want them to know is, you know, have something that you're good at and you know what you're doing. And if you don't totally know it, make sure you bring people in that that do, that you can surround yourself with. I'm not a good IT person, but I have IT people on call that can do stuff for me when I have a, a computer issue or whatever. And, you know, one of those guys... Saved everything I had three years ago. <laughs> Even though I had a lot of it backed up, I didn't really have it done the right way, and I, I wouldn't have lost everything, but I would have lost something. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked out okay. So I, I was pleased to have that. And then I've also got other backup writers. I've got illustrators. I've got you know people that can help for the radio shows with uh, music and other things that would be pertinent that maybe... I either don't have enough time for or don't have the expertise in that specific area. Because you're still helping with the radio station now. 
Yeah, WITT, that's Community Radio 91.9. Jim Walsh got himself this radio station that he applied for the license and got it in oh, maybe 2007 or eight or something like that. And I met him at a broadcaster event, and my cap was tipped to him right away because here's a little guy. Mm-hmm. He's an everyday Joe, and he got a radio station. And it's not just a little 100-watt radio station. It covers nine counties. Yeah. And so I paid attention to what was going on. And then he said, if you ever know anybody that's interested in having a show on there, let me know, especially if they have sponsors. That's how I can make some money to pay, pay the bills for this. So by golly, uh, I, I did. And so a couple of my old TLC colleagues uh, ended up on over there, King Row, with the blues program. Mm-hmm. The guy who brought me to Indianapolis in 1977, Al Hobbs, who was the general manager, also did all the gospel music and is a member of the Indiana Broadcast Pioneers Hall of Fame now, uh, oh, wow. as of three years ago. I nominated him because he was a, he was a game changer. Yeah. But he brought back his gospel music show, and I produced it for him for a couple of years till he became ill and we really couldn't continue the program at that point. But we had a few others along the way. I had a show of music from India called Bollywood Music with Raju Shinthala, and that, that went for about three years. Uh, and different things like that that I just got involved in. And Jim always said, hey, you want to do something, have at it. And I wasn't as interested in that till along came Devin Dean. Oh, and Devin. I met, De- I met Devin uh, at an event. It was the Farewell for Abdul Akim Shabazz from 1430. Mm-hmm. His show had been eliminated, but before he got out the door, he always had guest hosts fill in for him. And he'd always ask me, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? And finally, it was the right time for me to do it. So I did it. And I was like, wow. Hey, everything lined up perfectly. And I was like, I can't believe it. I haven't done a talk show since who knows when. And it just all perfectly flowed. So it was it was good. So Abdul is introducing all the people that have been guest hosts. There were five of us there that day. And he gets to me. He says, and our newest guest host, Russ Dodge. And he's the real reason why we got canceled and brought the house down. But I knew all the other broadcasters there except one. And it was Devin. She sees a Notre Dame shirt on me and comes over and asks, did I ever do radio at Notre Dame? And the answer was, yeah, I did at, at WSND. And she said, I did too. I said, did you go there? And he said, no, I was from Elkhart, and I was a community volunteer for the station. And I I laughed, and I said, I helped start that program in 1972. Wow. And it still exists to this day. Yeah. But the late-night rock show called Nocturne, I hosted it back in the 70s. She was a host on that during summer breaks Mm -hmm. and times like that uh, in the 90s. And we had a very good laugh over that. And so what if we could do what you did and I did and put it together? And a couple years later, it was the right place and the right time. We did. So she was the original co-host on Indiana Nocturne. It was Indianapolis Nocturne at first because we were just on a single station, WITT. She did it for the first three years till job responsibilities changed and couldn't really keep it up anymore. Mm-hmm. So I have John Raybold today, and along with a whole series of guest hosts, which hopefully includes you sometime in the near future. Here. I would love the opportunity. Yeah, and we would have a blast. Would love it. For, it be, for those it, of you that have, yeah, it would be so much fun. And for those of you, um, if you're just catching, you know, this, if this is your first episode you're listening to, you know, my background is in broadcasting, right? Started in radio when I was 19. So Russ and I have kind of been geeking out. I'm just like listening to all of these amazing opportunities he had. And 
you have that versatility that a lot of broadcasters don't have. I mean, hey, I remember hearing Red Shield Radio at 5 o'clock yeah. in the morning and yeah. then finding out you were doing it live. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's dedication. That is true dedication. I'll never forget one time I drove down to my high school in Ferdinand, Indiana, and one of the alumni was there. She's like, wait, you're here? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I heard you on the radio when I left Indianapolis this morning. I'm like, yeah. I'm... I mean, I've done so many stations. MS was so good to me. I I think I've been on every station that they owned since 2006. Did you ever voice track anything uh, for another market like Terre Haute or anything like that or any of the other? Well, places? I did middays in Terre Haute. Oh, okay. From Indianapolis, right? That's yeah, what I so did figured, that, yeah. and then um, we also had. Well, what's um awesome too is my work with the Salvation Army I did a lot of public service announcement programming so I've actually been on every single radio station I think even with a commercial all the Hispanic stations as well in the Indianapolis market because I've been in every radio building that's pretty special in the market well you know you know how to do it and people know they're going to get a good quality product, so have at it. You're going to You're be sweet. in demand for those kind of things, <laughs> which, which is super cool. Well, I enjoy doing it. Oh, right? and, and, like and I it just, shows. I've always enjoyed broadcasting. I enjoy helping people tell their stories. And you know that's what I love doing with Indiana Originals as yes. well. And Russ, why does supporting local and being known as an Indiana Original matter to you? Well, because I've become a Hoosier. I'm adopted a Hoosier is the best way to describe it. I, I'm originally from New Jersey, and I came out here to go to Notre Dame. And I always get a good laugh out of this because uh, my roommate for a couple of years was from Huntington, Indiana. And the first summer I was here, I went down to Huntington, and I felt like I was on a different planet. But oh, it was I'm really sure. different. But anyway, he went on to uh, go to med school at IU and went back to become the town doctor in Huntington, Indiana, and just recently retired. But we we have always stayed in, in close touch. But he said to me at one point, he said, did you ever think? And I said, what do you mean? And you'd be almost more Hoosier than I am. And I said, not in a million years. And I could, I could tell him stuff about little towns in Indiana that he doesn't even know. Mm -hmm. Just because being part of Network Indiana, I've been to a lot of those places, yeah. uh, to some of those affiliates there. Because I always pick up on the good stories that exist there, too. You know, he remember, I remember being in Huntington early on and driving through the town of Bippus. And he proceeds to tell me, well, that's the home of the then ABC sportscaster, Chris Schenkel. And Fun fact. Yeah, and you, you see a little sign there. It's welcome to Bippus, home of Chris Schenkel. And the population's got to be less than 1,000 people these yeah. days. Uh, Schenkel, just side trivia note, actually got mentioned in a very popular Top 40 song from 1973. Really? Cheech and Chong's Basketball Jones. Wow. They're talking about the different announcers, and they're asking the announcers to sing along with, with them uh, while Basketball Jones is going. And then they get to Chris Shankle, and they go, and Chris Shankle, don't say nothing. Oh, my gosh. You are so full of fun facts. I feel like you and I could, well, we do talk for hours normally, but <laughs> this show is not ours. So, Russ, I got to know, back to the tributes, yes. <laughs> besides IndianOriginals.com and our app, where do we find out more about you and how do we support your business? Well, you want to go to TributeMilestones.com, and that's going to give you information on how you can get one of these tributes. There's a questionnaire to fill out, and you know we respond. It comes to info at TributeMilestones.com is how it gets to us, but it's an automatic click-through that you can do that. You can also go to the Facebook page of Digital Hearts to Hearts and leave a message there as well. 
So people reach out to us and we are more than happy to provide the pertinent information and it's not terribly expensive either. Now you can go to the uh, Cadillac model of all this with large frames and big uh, 18 by 24s, but a lot of people are very happy with the eight and a half by 11 that's nicely framed and it, it, we, we keep the costs down by, I, I bought a bunch of frames in the wholesale area and got them really, really cheap. Mm -hmm. I went to a frame company, I would pay three times as much for those individual frames. But in a lot of cases, if it's going somewhere out of the area, we just email them the, the finished product mm -hmm. and they print it off as they see fit, frame it as they see fit, and they have a lasting memento. Well, Russ, what you're creating is beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. And thank you for being our guest today on Local Matters. And thank you for doing your part to create healthier, stronger communities and more jobs in Indiana. ML, thank you for having me on board here today. I have really enjoyed this. And thank you for listening to Local Matters, made possible by Indiana Originals, Indiana.Gifts, and McFarling Foods. It's an honor to bring you incredible stories about Indiana Original businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. Learn more about why local matters at indianaoriginals.com and on our app, powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains. I'm Mel McMahon, and until next time, keep supporting local. Thanks for listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Originals, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. Download the Indiana Originals app, powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains, and check out indianaoriginals.com.